I'm Shane Sklar with El Toro Farms in Edna, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas dairy industry continues to grow. Each quarter, USDA releases a report showing the quarterly milk cow numbers and total milk production for that quarter. That report came out a few days ago. We'll look at the Texas numbers in that report coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The expectation for the season ahead is that we will see more acres going to sorghum in the Texas High Plains this year. And who knows? Maybe someone from our region will do well enough to be a winner in the National Sorghum Yield Contest. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A Dallas-Fort Worth congresswoman who is a member of the House Agriculture Committee explains her emphasis in the 2023 Farm Bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have her comments on Texas Ag Today. The Coastal Bend area producers are rejoicing since they received the best rainfall in more than six months. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. More milk cows and more milk production is the ongoing trend for the Texas dairy industry. The latest quarterly milk cow inventory and milk production report shows a January through March cow inventory of 654,000 head. That is up from 653,000 last quarter. Texas milk production also increasing with a January through March production of 4.28 billion pounds, up from $4.17 billion last quarter. And all of this growth is continuing despite the ongoing drought in the Texas Panhandle, where most of the dairy cows are located. Darren Turley with the Texas Association of Dairymen says forage availability has been a big challenge over the last year, and it's getting bigger as the drought continues. We were bringing forage from very many states surrounding Texas trying to fulfill our needs. Uh, We're very concerned about the rainfall levels going into spring. Uh, We can't handle another drought year. A bunch of my producers will tell you, we lived through 11. We can't live through another 12. And so we need this year to be a wet year. We're getting some moisture. Things are a little more optimistic right now, but we're definitely going to need to make a crop to survive. We can't handle another dry spring. Nationwide milk production up 1% over the last quarter, but USDA Outlook Board Chairman Mark Jekinowski says when it comes to dairy exports... 
adjusting lower this month, mainly reflecting their lower fat basis exports of butter and cheese and lower skim solids basis exports of non-fat dry milk, reflecting just a stiff international competition there and relatively high U.S. prices, making us less competitive in international markets. The non-fat dry milk forecast was reduced seven cents per pound, making it the only milk product showing a price decrease. That also contributed to lower class four milk prices, but the all milk price forecast is going up. We raised it this month, 20 cents per hundredweight, now forecast at $20.65 per hundredweight. USDA's Mark Jekinowski. The WOTUS veto override fails in Congress. The House of Representatives was unsuccessful in getting enough votes to override President Biden's veto of legislation undoing a rule defining the Clean Water Act's jurisdiction. The vote failed 227 to 196 and didn't meet the two-thirds requirement for overriding a presidential veto. House Republicans were successful in getting 10 Democrats to vote against the Biden EPA rule. Two federal judges have issued preliminary injunctions against implementing the waters of the U.S. rule in 26 states, while lawsuits are heard regarding the validity of the regulation. The expectation for the season ahead is that we will see more acres going to sorghum on the Texas High Plains this year. James Hunt says some of those extra acres may be a winner in the National Sorghum Yield Contest. As we've talked about previously, it appears a lot of Texas High Plains farmers are leaning toward growing more sorghum this year. Many farmers who plant sorghum will be happy if they just make a good crop and a good profit. But for those who enjoy a little competition, National Sorghum Producers is now accepting entries for its annual yield contest. So what does it take to produce the kind of crop that might make for a winning entry? I asked Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff. Well, I think it's usually a combination of things, and that's always the case. When you plant sorghum or any other crop in the ground, well, it's got a certain potential in that seed. And so it's kind of downhill from there. I mean, it's things that happen that just gradually kind of take away from that yield. So you're trying to eliminate those. So, you know, one, yeah, you've got to have enough moisture to make that crop. And then that moisture's got to be at the right time. So if they're irrigating, they got to put it on at the right time. Uh, from a fertilizer standpoint, kind of the same thing. You've got to have adequate balance of nutrients that are there. Dr. Bean says in reality, most farmers who enter the yield contest don't do very much out of the ordinary, although it seems some have been able to improve the overall health of their plants by applying certain fungicides. In sorghum, we don't really have much of a disease problem, but sometimes you'll get that bump in yield just by applying a fungicide. As I said, entries for the yield contest are being accepted now, but the actual deadline for entries is not until November 15th, which does allow farmers time to evaluate how their crops are coming along. You get into August or September and it looks like you've got a good crop, well, hey, go ahead and contact the National Sorghum Producers and go ahead and enter the contest. It's pretty easy to do. And you can get more information about the yield contest at sorghumgrowers.com. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A Dallas-Fort Worth congresswoman who is a member of the House Agriculture Committee discusses her outlook for the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti has the story. 
My guest today is U.S. Representative Jasmine Crockett uh, from District 30 of Texas. Uh, she represents part of Dallas, and she is a member of the House Agriculture Committee, which held a listening session on the 2023 Farm Bill in Waco recently. And Congresswoman Crockett, uh, give us your impression of what you heard at the listening session and why the input uh, that you received is going to be important in writing the next Farm Bill. Absolutely. So one thing that I heard was from real people. I heard from those that are producers, not just producing in the state of Texas, but how far reaching our Texas folk are. And so it was important that we hear from real people, understand how our policies are affecting them, whether they're doing the good things or the bad things, so that hopefully we can improve upon the last farm bill and make sure that it works for the current environment of everyone that's involved in agriculture. And everyone is involved in agriculture because everybody eats on a daily basis. So uh, you being from uh, Dallas and representing a portion of the Metroplex, what are your concerns about the next farm bill? You don't normally see too many urban dims on ag, but for me, it only made sense because food does affect all of us. It's something that we all need to survive, number one. Number two, we know that food security equals national security. And so in thinking about where we are in this country right now, I thought it was important that there be a strong advocate and a strong voice to make sure that we are pushing for good nutrition policies to make sure that our kiddos, as they're growing up, they're getting everything that they need, to also make sure that we are looking at those that are really still hurt financially because of the effects of COVID-19. That is Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett from the Dallas area. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Coastal Bend has received one of the best rainfalls in more than six months. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, folks, the three-day rainfall event that occurred on the Thursday through Saturday before Easter produced the most significant precipitation for Coastal Bend area farmers and ranchers since October of last year. And most of the locations around the Coastal Bend Seven County area received between an inch and a half and three inches of rainfall, with a few locations receiving about six-tenths on the low end, and then there were some sites that reported receiving over four inches. All in all, rainfall blanketed the entire area. There was very little runoff because those rains occurred over a a two-and-a-half-day period. It was perfect for newly planted row crops, and there had been a rush to get a lot of cotton acres planted before that rainfall occurred. Now, early planted corn is a crop that is showing the most response here in the coastal band. It quickly moved into a growth stage, and now many fields are up to hip high. Grain sorghum fields that were planted during March are also well over knee high, and cotton that had been planted right up to the deadline, dry planted in many instances and had not emerged before the rain, have made good stands and excellent progress, but a late cotton crop. The cotton planted acres here in the coastal bend area is expected to be down by 10 to 15 percent, and most of those acres have gone into corn production this year. A.N. Pastures, certainly benefiting from the rainfall. A number of farmers and ranchers have put in some hay grazer crops for producing some additional forage to replace much of the hay reserves that were fed throughout the winter months here in the coastal bend. Additional rainfall certainly going to be needed, but at this point in time, our crops are off to a great start and conditions are much improved here in the coastal bend. Reporting for Texas Ag Today from the coastal bend area, 
This has been Harvey Buring. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Department of Public Safety are urging Texans to ensure their guns are safely stored when not in use. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And although colostrum is required for newborn calves, many of them may need electrolytes. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Although colostrum is required for newborn calves, Dr. Bob Judd says many of those calves may need supplementation with electrolytes. Scours or diarrhea is common in these young calves. Calves lose lots of electrolytes with this condition, and these electrolytes need to be replaced. Paige Carlson indicates at Drovers.com that electrolyte solutions contain electrolytes including sodium, potassium, and chloride, but some also contain other ingredients. The goal is to treat dehydration, acidosis, and electrolyte losses. And the administration of sodium is critical in these calves because dehydrated calves secrete sodium and water and follow sodium, so the loss of sodium leads to loss of more water. The administration of sodium promotes water absorption in the intestinal tract. Some electrolytes contain dextrose, which is a form of glucose, as an energy source for calves not eating, and also assist in sodium absorption. Glycine is an amino acid that is commonly added that aids in absorption of glucose. In some cases, alkalinizing agents are added to treat the metabolic acidosis, or low blood pH, that commonly occurs in these dehydrated calves with diarrhea. Some electrolyte solutions also include agents to decrease the scours, like psyllium husks, pectin, and gums. Electrolytes should be given twice daily, and in most cases, milk should not be stopped as the milk is needed as a source of energy. However, the milk and electrolytes should not be given at the same time, and electrolyte solutions should not be mixed with milk or milk replacer. Many of these calves will not suckle and will need to be fed electrolytes with an esophageal tube feeder. Some of the more dehydrated calves will require your veterinarian to administer IV fluids to quickly replace the initial fluid that has been lost. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Department of Public Safety are urging Texans to ensure their guns are safely stored when not in use. Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. Now that spring turkey hunting season is well underway, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the Texas Department of Public Safety are reminding all Texans that safe gun storage saves lives. Sergeant Dion Cockrell, DPS Public Information Officer, says there are three simple rules for gun safety. We want to make gun owners understand that they're responsible for those firearms in their presence or that belong to them. So we want to first remind them they need to take care of these firearms and take 
Texas has come up with the keep them safe Texas uh, idea of the one, two, three of safe gun storage. And basically that one, two, three is to store the firearm in a safe place, such as a locked box or somewhere where it can't be obtained by anybody else other than the gun owner or somebody in the household who needs access to it. Second, you also want to limit access to the ammunition. So you want to lock ammunition away. So if someone get into the home, they're not able to steal the ammunition, even if they can't get to the firearm. And third, you just want to restrict access to anyone and everyone who comes into the home. Basically, I say if you do number three, where you restrict access, you pretty much take care of one and two, but you want to lock away the firearm and the ammunition and restrict the access to that firearm. The Pew Research Center estimates that more than 45 percent of Texans own a gun. A third of homes with children have a firearm, and many of those may be unlocked and loaded, according to DPS. That's why Keep Em Safe Texas was created three years ago to inform and educate gun owners about the importance of safe gun storage. Additional tips are available at safegunstoragetexas.com. That is safegunstoragetexas.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a mixed close to wrap up the trading week in the cattle market on Friday, while the grain markets moved mostly lower. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another mixed day of trading in the cattle complex on Friday. We once again traded both sides of unchanged throughout the session, and we wrapped it up that way. A mixed close in both live and feeder cattle on Friday. April live cattle down 12, 173.97. The June up 17, 164.52, with the August up 12, 163.55. April feeder cattle down $1.25, 203.77. The May up 5, 212.40, while August feeders were up 35, 229.87. Cash fed cattle market mostly steady this week here in Texas. We sold cattle at 175. That's unchanged from the previous week. Did have a few cattle left on the show list. They were priced at 176 and better. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice down 22 cents, 306.77. Select up 42, 289.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Spoke with Jim Wheeler this week from Atascosa Livestock Exchange Pleasant, and they sell every Tuesday. Jim, how'd this week's sale turn out? The market was really good. Uh, 342 head. Uh, they did take, oh, I guess $10 off packer cows from last Tuesday. But we still had, you know, six-leg steers bring, uh, you know, 1400 $1,400 plus. Good. And, and man, that used to be what you just dreamt about when you had a fat cat. Yep, that's right. If everything didn't cost as much, it'd be grand, wouldn't it? It sure would. Well, let's walk the pins. All right, 138 steers, 121 average, 60 cows, 20 bulls there Tuesday. 
uh, two to three weights, two dollars to two fifty. Heifers were a dollar ninety to two forty. Three to four weights steers a dollar ninety to two sixty seven. Heifers were a dollar eighty to two twenty four. Four to five weights steers a dollar eighty five to two fifty. Four to five weights steers a dollar seventy five to two sixteen. Five to six weights steers a dollar eighty to two forty eight. Heifers were a dollar sixty five to two oh seven. Six seven weights steers a dollar seventy to two sixteen. Heifers were a dollar fifty to a dollar eighty two. Seven eight weight steers a dollar fifty five to a dollar eighty. Heifers were a dollar twenty five to a dollar sixty. Eight to nine weight steers a dollar thirty five to a dollar sixty five. And the heifers were a dollar ten to a dollar forty six or Tuesday. What'd they have on cows? One eighty eight yesterday. Uh Best Piker Cow brought uh ninety eight. Best Bull brought a dollar fifteen. Sold bred cows anywhere from eight fifty to fifteen twenty five. And we kept one young pair together. She brought sixty uh seventeen hundred. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Each us an eight three oh five six nine two five one six. And neighbor, thank you too for listening to our program. Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. We appreciate you doing so on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. May hogs up twenty cents, seventy-seven oh two. The June up a dollar, eighty-six oh seven. Class three milk was lower. April milk down three, eighteen sixty-three a hundred weight. The May contract down fourteen, seventeen thirty-two a hundred. The cotton market closed mixed on Friday. Weather forecast keeping a lid on prices, but it is great news. Rain in the forecast for West Texas and the Texas Panhandle. And, of course, we'll take every drop out there we can get. We close with May Cotton down 83 points, 78.41. July up 6, 80.15. The December down 20 at 80.38 cents. Corn market feeling the pressure from a very poor export sales report released Thursday morning. May corn dropping a half, 6.63 and a quarter. July corn down 10 and three quarters, 6.15 and a quarter. The September contract down nine and three quarters, five fifty-two and three quarters. Wheat market slightly lower again on the weather forecast. We mentioned rain in the forecast for West Texas in the Panhandle that extends well on up into Oklahoma, Kansas, and Colorado. So good news for those parched areas of the wheat-growing country. However, the question is: Is it too little, too late? July Kansas City wheat down one and a quarter, eight twenty-five and a half. July Chicago wheat down seven. At six seventy-three a bushel. In the energy markets, May natural gas dropped three cents, two twenty-one. June West Texas crude up thirty-seven, seventy-seven, seventy-five a barrel. The financial markets were slightly higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up thirty-nine points, thirty-three thousand eight twenty-six. The Nasdaq up twelve at twelve thousand seventy-one. The S and P up four. 4,134. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.